Our second reading today continues the theme of the Good Shepherd from Mark's Gospel, the sixth chapter. We'll read verses 30 to 34 and then 53 to 56. Let us continue listening now for a word from God. Now the apostles gathered around Jesus and they reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them, and they ran on foot from all the towns, and they got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. Moving to verse 53. When they had crossed over again, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as the group got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout that whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or the countryside, the crowds placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged Jesus to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our sermon today is titled, Sit Down, Step Out. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, as we sit here in this space today, we pray that your spirit might come alongside and sit with us. Indeed, O God, we pray that your spirit might dwell somewhere within that this old story will once again speak new life, that it will once again guide us in the living of these days. Indeed, O God, we pray that we will be strengthened in our call as disciples in this age. O God, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts might be pleasing in your sight. For you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You know, this has been a story that's been difficult for me to really get my arms all the way around. Because at first glance, it seems to be a story about rest. The disciples are just returning here in verse 30 from their mission that Jesus sent them off on at the beginning of chapter 6. Jesus sent them in pairs to go out into the countryside. And so for some unspecified amount of time, they have been teaching and preaching. They've been driving out demons and anointing the sick with oil. And now they have returned. You can almost feel their eagerness to get some time with Jesus to tell him about all they have seen and heard and taught and done. And yet at the same time as they're pressing in on Jesus, the crowds are pressing in on them. These massive crowds have built up and they're pressing in with 
needs that seem only to grow greater and greater with each passing verse. So much is going on here at the beginning of this story that Mark tells us they haven't even had time to eat. You know, it's as if Mark knows exactly how to impress upon readers 2,000 years later just how busy they were in these days. They didn't even have time to eat. Is that not an apt description for many of us? How many mornings in my life do I go running out the door with my coffee in one hand and the energy bar in the other because I don't think I have time to actually have breakfast? How many of us regularly opt for fast food instead of the dinner table because work and school and sports and social calendars and meetings and yes, even church come pressing in? And so maybe you are like me in the first part of this story where we feel those pressures. We know how they feel. We know that hunger. And Jesus speaks up and tells them, listen, guys, let's just go rest. Oh, thank God, God. Let's go rest. Let's go off to a deserted place, to a quiet place, you and me. Let's rest. At first glance, it's a story that seems to be a call to slow down, to remove ourselves from the chaos that is each of our lives, to take a break. And that's what I'd preach today if it weren't for the second part of this story. Because just as they are leaving for that remote place, they're spotted. You know, I sort of imagine Mark chuckling as he writes this other part. They're spotted there in the boat, and the crowd's on the shore. It's almost as if they look at the direction the boat is pointed, and they plot out a course in their minds, and they make an educated guess to the place the boat will land on the other side of the shore, and they take off running. I almost imagine the disciples on the boat sort of watching these people on the shore who look like ants just slowly moving around the shore until they stop in the exact spot that the boat is going to land. This crowd forms there that's just full of people who are hungry, people who have carried the sick on mats, people who are begging Jesus and the disciples for healing. If the first half of the story is a call to rest, then the second half is something that suddenly jolts them and us back to reality. The second part is this snapshot that forces into focus the inescapable truth that even as many are too busy to eat, there are countless others who live on the edges of our lives and our community and our world who do not have enough to eat at all. If you've ever been canoeing or kayaking, you know that moment when you hit the shore you sort of go from that sensation of being free of floating on the water and you hear the the scrape of the rocks on the bottom of the boat and then suddenly it jolts as it comes to a hard stop on the shore that's exactly what I imagine happening in the second part of this story they are jolted awake by the real world 
Suddenly, that intention to retreat meets the reality of people's need. They're jolted back by a world that is still full of violence, of famine, of people who are hungry both spiritually and physically. And if you're like me, at this point in the story, you really want Jesus to just stand up there in the boat and just gently explain to the crowds what's going to happen. Listen, guys, I know that there's some serious need right here, but me and the disciples, we were about to go on a retreat. So if you just give us two days, just come back. We'll be right here two days' time. You can imagine the sign with the little clock that they hang in the door. Come back here. We'll be rejuvenated. We'll be relaxed. We're going to be ready to help you. Just two days. Come on. But that's not what Jesus does, is it? Jesus stands up and the story says, is moved. I love that word. Jesus is moved with compassion. Because they are like sheep without a shepherd. You know, if the disciples were tired at the start of this story, they must be exhausted by the end. This is what I mean when I say it's hard for me to get my arms around this story. What are we to do with these two seemingly contradictory calls to action? Are we to take Jesus' invitation to rest seriously? Or are we to follow his example of emptying ourselves to the point of exhaustion in service to others? Are we to follow his example of responding to need no matter when or where it arises? You know, not long ago there was a church in Idaho, of all places, that was asking those very same questions. In the spring of 2014, the pastor and members of the session, the governing body of their church, they gathered the congregation in small groups, and they explored with those small groups questions of who they were as a church. They wanted to hear from the congregation, who do you think we are as a church? What's our identity? They wanted to hear how people felt the church was relating to their neighbors, to the neighborhood in their city and around the church. And they wanted to know where members of the congregation saw their church serving in the future. The pastor wrote later that out of those conversations emerged two very conflicting conclusions. The first thing they concluded from that time of discernment was that there are many things that that church felt called to do. And the second thing that they concluded was that everyone was too tired to do them. Is that not an apt description for many of us? So much that we are called to do, but man, are we tired and unsure whether we can do them. So after much conversation, this church decided to try something radical in response to their two conflicting conclusions. Radical, at least, by Presbyterian standards. They decided that that summer of 2014, for one Sunday each month, they were going to shut down. No worship, no meetings, no nothing. Lights off, doors locked. If you show up, sorry, you're out of luck. 
What they would do, though, on those weeks was gather the night before on Saturday. They would have a very simple worship service at 5 o'clock, and they'd invite everyone to stick around afterwards for a potluck meal together. But it would start with shutting down on a Sunday. It reminds me of Eugene Peterson's definition of Sabbath, which is three things. Sabbath, in Peterson's mind, means quit, stop, take a break. Sabbath in a nutshell. Quit, stop, take a break. Now, Peterson is clear that Sabbath is not the same as doing nothing. It's rather a time that we set apart from the normal rhythms of our lives in order to draw closer to God, to notice God in those places and those people that otherwise may appear to us as a blur in the busyness of our everyday existence. That's exactly what this church did. They quit. They stopped. They took a break. People would spend their Sundays that summer in this church doing crazy things. They slept in. I can't imagine how good that must have felt for some of the parents in their church. We're just going to sleep in. They encouraged people to do personal devotion, to read a book for fun. The pastor and her family, they went kayaking on a Sunday. People went on a hike in the morning, and some who were feeling particularly energized went on a hike in the afternoon as well. Families spent time together. The results of this Sabbath Sunday experiment were rather dramatic for the church. They found that their Saturday worship attendance was higher than any other Sunday the rest of the summer. Particularly among their older members, they found that there was an enthusiasm to have an option on a Saturday evening when it's very hard sometimes to get to church on time in the morning. They found that the connections amongst their congregants were strengthened because people were sitting around a table together once a month after worship, eating together, talking together. Their Sunday school teachers felt rested. What? They felt rested. But most importantly of all, what this church found in their experiment was that they suddenly had the energy to step out of the boat. When the needs of their neighborhood pressed in, when the real world met them on the shoreline of their congregational life, they discovered renewed drive and energy, drive and vision to actually serve. That story makes me wonder if maybe the lessons in our passage today are more complementary than they are contradictory. I wonder if what Jesus is really teaching us in this story of what begins with rest and ends with work, two different lessons about Christian discipleship. I hear Jesus first of all telling us to simply get some rest. I think Jesus knows that just like the disciples, we today, we're a tired people. A tired people. You know, I found myself in the emergency room visiting someone on Friday night. If you ever go to the ER, I hope you don't have to, but on a Friday night, it's an image for me what I think many of us feel. I mean, it is a room full of tired people. I think Jesus is inviting us to practice Sabbath. 
which isn't the same thing, remember, as doing nothing. It's not simply taking a vacation, which ironically I'm going to do today after worship. Instead, I think Jesus is inviting us to do things that draw us closer to God, that not only renew our energy, but also build up our faith. I think Jesus today is inviting us to take a moment to take inventory, to ask ourselves, if we had the time, what is it that would really make us feel whole? What is it that would make us feel like we belong, to feel happy? What is it that would take, what would it take to make us feel like we were living a fulfilling life? Jesus wants us to take an inventory and then to do something about it. To actually set aside the time to do those things, to practice that Sabbath that draws us closer to God. Because when we do those things, I think it leads naturally into the other part. The part we cannot ignore of being a follower of Christ. Which is the call to step out of the boat. The life of following Christ is not one that affords any of us the luxury of ignoring the needs of others. It is the one of stepping out for others. To follow Christ is to make the choice that when life, whatever it involves, shows up on our doorstep, we'll invite it in rather than shut it out. Y'all might have noticed, because I tend to tell you to notice, that our passage today skips over a large swath of verses. This is what the lectionary does sometimes. It jumps around in any given reading, and I encourage you all to always pay attention to what is skipped, because there's sometimes something there. Today, what is skipped is two of what are perhaps the greatest miracle stories in all of Mark's gospel. The feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus walking on water. When I first saw that it was skipping that, I was sort of sad. Those are two pretty great stories. But then I began to wonder after sitting with these verses, if maybe the reason the lectionary folks decided it wasn't as important to have those miracles included in our reading today is because there's actually another miracle right in front of us. In these verses, the miracle that even when our plans go up in smoke like they do for the disciples today, even when we become slaves to our own busyness and fatigue, even when we are the ones who are running along the shore, because inevitably we all will one day be those on the shore desperate for a healing touch. Jesus. The good shepherd has compassion on you and on me. The miracle that Jesus steps out of the boat for us. Friends, may we just sit with that good news today. And when we have sat long enough, when we have been filled with the miracle that is God's love, May we step out of the boat to share it with others. Amen? Amen. Amen.